Borag Dungers. Let's. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 70th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own Galaxy's Greatest Comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for October 1981, progs 232 to 236. This week, Ace Garp and his crew... On the aboard the Speedo Ghost, head out into the spaceways. Nemesis starts a jailbreak, and Rogue Trooper heads out to sea. Also, the, the Meat Arena moves to Manchester. The Kidney Caper concludes, and Judge Dredd heads out on a hot dog run before Block Mania begins. <laughs> All right, how you doing, Fox? I want a hot dog. Hot dog run, man. You go out there, you gotta be a hot dog. I don't think you get hot dogs. That's the key. Oh, man. Doesn't sound that fun. Yeah. Is that like a, I mean, it has nothing to do with Cannonball Run, but I do think if there were parallels, that would be amazing. Oh my gosh. I think think we've had some stuff like that, like, you know, Mm. a cross-country trip with wacky characters, like the Cursed Earth was kind of like Cannonball Run. Though, yeah. no Dom DeLuise, so it doesn't really make fit the bill completely. Oh, man. That, I just, I want more of it. Because I got, you know, speaking of 80s homages, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I just, I love Ace Trucking so much. Yeah. Hey, yeah, speaking of uh, of uh, big-ass road trips, and mm. maybe not Dom DeLuise, but definitely Burt Reynolds, it's... Oh, shit. <laughs> Thrill One Ace Trucking Company. So, our script robot is Alan Grant and John Wagner, writing as Grant Grover. Art robot is Massimo Bellardinelli. Learning robot, Peter Knight. So, okay, Fox. If there's one thing I know about 2000 AD writer uh, John Wagner, it's that he likes writing dialogue for truckers and rednecks. And that's what he's got here in Ace Trucking. <laughs> <laughs> just his his fanboy outlet for for, I guess, just fantasizing about life as a trucker. My understanding is that he spent some time in America and sort of developed an ear for crazy um, American lingos and stuff like that, you know. Because we've seen, there was that um, Don Dork guy in yeah. uh, Journey to Hell in Strontium Dog, the guy talked in, uh, in Space Trucker lingo. And then, um, you know, there's, there's, of course, the Angel Gang, which just got to speak, in, speak redneck, like, fluently, you know. It's just, it's, uh, it's very interesting to super focus on, like, a really weird part of American culture. It's true. I can't imagine trucking is this fun, but if it is, I kind of want to do it. I mean, you know, again, like, I've seen Smokey and the Bandit, it seems pretty fun, at least sort of in the 80s, you know? But so, Ace Trucking Co. is the tale of Ace Garp. He's an alien, and he's got a head basically shaped like a carrot, constantly on the prowl for get-rich-quick schemes. His ship. Is the Speedo Ghost? He's got a co-pilot and enforcer named GBH, who's a giant GBH. Alien. He's got long, flowing hair. He was kicked out of his tribe and now believes himself to be a dead to be dead. Yeah, like when you're not a part of the tribe, you're effectively you're effectively not a living thing. I'm excited to see more backstory about GBH at some point. Um, Fuck yeah, buddy! And then there's Feek who is the ship's engineer. He's a skeleton-looking alien, and he speaks entirely in excited country prospector gibberish. (laughs) Beat the freak! I love these characters. That don't give old engine gone out, Ace! (laughs) Oh my god, I'm gonna hit ya! 
<laughs> uh, there's also a ghost, the ship's computer, which is always uh, like throwing cold water on Ace's scheme, and gen- schemes are generally being a spoil sport and stuff. Exactly. I think, um, uh, God, what was the car's name from Knight Rider? Kit. It's like reverse Kit. Yeah. Well, it's got a very, yeah, it's got a very tut-tutting tone for sure. Yeah, so Ace Trucking is a lot of fun. It really gives uh, Massimo Bellardinelli a chance to draw both really awesome spaceships and really crazy aliens. His and fucking specialty, IMHO. It's really just really plain. Like, yeah, between this and Grant and Wagner doing CB ling- lingo and redneck talk, it's really just everybody playing to their strengths and preferred things, you know? And so we get a great comic out of it. <laughs> Can you tell that we maybe like this comic? That's maybe fun, dude. Like- yeah. So we open with the Speedo Ghost running afoul of a ship owned by the Ye- by the Yellow Line shipping fleet, operated Jam- by... By Jago Kane, a human, I suppose. He seems like a human. <laughs> yeah. So they're all part of a big truck and convoy uh, blazing through the night. You know, we got a great big convoy and a beautiful sight. <laughs> when suddenly they run afoul of the creepy jeepies, the Space Highway Patrol. So these guys, they're, they're space fuzz, but they're not in... Uh, I love that they're not in spaceships. They're in space motorcycles. Yeah, it's very like like kind of a chip style, like space highway patrol motorcycle guys, basically. Yeah, chips were super bumbling. Yeah, the bebop and rock study of fucking space cops, or the uh, the Roscoe P. Coltrane of um, oh, space cops, just to keep it. I mean, that's Duke of, Duke's a hazard, but same difference, you know. Yeah, same idea. So. Yeah, so they the Highway Patrol comes up, Ace sort of takes the hit, basically allows himself to be pulled over by the space cops that to do check his hold for contraband while the rest of the convoy escapes. The, uh, they're all holding uh, illegal stuff. He's yeah. Doing them a solid. Everybody's smuggling. Yeah, the police guys, uh, Zagger and Croxley, don't find anything illegal, just 55 tons of fist fate in Ace's hold. Oh, and uh, a wrench in their face. Yeah, they they look into the engine. Yeah, and they get a face full of wrench from Feek. (laughs) So. (laughs) Think your head's bracket plate. (laughs) Suitably distracted, the cops head out, and Ace continues on to the huge space station of Beehive K, where he finds that those yellow line jerks have flooded the market with fist fate. Now he can't sell his cargo. Uh, We also get the return of Mac Mac. (laughs) <laughs> oh, everybody drinks Mac Mac in here. It's real awesome. <laughs> so this is obviously a, an attempt by those yellow line jerks to muscle Ace out of shipping. So now it's time to find Jago Kane and have a plasma party. Or, or beat the crap out of dude. yeah. Ace Punch shows him right the kisser. Yeah, shows him the, the black hole bar, which is a ridiculous alien space bar. For the I love plasma the party, which one of the guys yeah. is eating? It looks like a little lizard rat in in between two pieces of bread. It's just everything's going crazy at this space bar, man. It's like the one in Star Wars times a billion, you know. Yep. Uh, so uh, Kane basically admits that they're flooding the market as a ploy to make get Ace to sell his ship and join Yellow Line. Then a fight starts up as tons of aliens sees that there's a fight going on and runs in to join up. Hell yeah! <laughs> Until- oh, and then GBH does. Uh, his war dance. And yeah, that's just that just means he's kicking the crap out of everybody. Yeah, GBH is a full on haka while taking down the entire bar, basically. <laughs> but they are able to get away from the bar right before the cops show up, so that uh, they are not arrested while the while the rest of the truckers are. 
No, they're just outside casually being like, Oh, it's a oh, shame what people get up to at bars these days, you know? <laughs> Dangerously low on money, and with his main hold full of unsellable fist fate, Ace, Ace is desperate for a cargo he can make money on. He takes a dangerous load of trank flakes in... From this weird dude. Everybody's weird in this thing, man. <laughs> but yeah, he gets a b- b- bunch of trank flakes and basically a, uh, a cargo thing that's going to be dragged behind the ship. And then... He agrees to smuggle cargo for Slivy Weech, the Slippy Gimbo, in his cold storage. Uh, he like hugs yeah, Ace sl- and Slivy- like is like spitting up all over him and like Mwah. he's like a very touchy feely gross alien. Yeah, he basically looks like an inanimate bowl of gumbo with like a wheel on the bowl, basically with like big tendrils coming out of him and stuff. God, and he just wants to touch you. I'm like, oh, it's horrible. Yeah, but he's got a load of supplies for the Rambo War. It's dangerous and illegal, but the money's right, so off we go. Hey, why not? Yeah. We see Slivy loading the cargo onto the Speedo Ghost's cold hold, and everybody heads out. Things are going well for like five minutes until the Ghost's cooling units malfunction, and and the the ship starts heating up. The fist fate in the hold starts to expand in the heat. It's worthless anyway, so Ace just dumps it before it can explode. But that draws the attention of Zagger and Croc, so you go to arrest them for um, dumping in the space. Yeah, for ways, dumping. Man. Can't do du- that. Yeah, for dumping in the uh, central roadways. Um, they come in even as GBH checks the cargo in the cold hold and finds it's full of hibernating clags. As the heat turns up and the Clegs are starting to wake up, Ace tries to distract the cops as GBH fights an ever-growing horde of Gator Men. <laughs> um, the and cop, he seems to be doing pretty well for He's, hold, he's holding his own me. as, like, you know, he holds his own against, like, three or four Clegs, but eventually it's going to be, like, dozens of them, you know? All um, I'm saying is, where were these dudes when uh, you were hiring aliens to help you with your Clegg problem? I mean, you know, Dread and the and the uh, rebel teachers from the Academy of Law couldn't afford um, off-world mercenaries. That's pretty fair. <laughs> so the cops want to see what's in the cold hole. That's a problem. Uh, we go to GBH. He's losing the battle against the the Clegs. The cops are getting nosy. Luckily, a fist fate explosion knocks the cops out and allows Ace to space the rest of the of 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 that cargo. He then puts on a spacesuit and goes out to his container of Trank flakes and pumps them into the cold hold, knocking out both GBH and the Clegs. There's some real awesome just Clegg fighting and just space stuff as Ace jumps out into the into the into space to kind of connect the car the uh the tankers and stuff. And then Clegg cuddling. Yeah. With the crises finally addressed, Fleek shows up or yeah uh, uh, Fleek shows up and he's finally managed to uh, fix the uh, cooling unit. Hooray! Hooray! So, over the protests of his crew, Ace goes to deliver the Clegs to the planet Rambo, first dropping off his load of Trank Flags, of course. They make their way to an asteroid belt through the planet, throwing off police pursuit with a decoy buoy, a beacon thing. They land on the planet with the Clegs, and they get paid and head out. 
And it's only then that we learn that extended exposure to Trank Flakes permanently pacifies a subject. So now all these Klegs are peaceful, and they just want to, like, dance and pick flowers and play patty cake and stuff. It's really and nice. super scared of swords. Like, yeah. oh, no, I could never do violence. I'm a Gator Man. <laughs> oh, God. Keep in mind the, the cops that they've, that they've had on hand, mm-hmm. too. They've kept in a coma. Oh, yeah. So they drive back to where the cops got aboard the ship. (laughs) Sort of wake them up. Be like, hey, yeah, check out the coal hole. That's empty. And they're like, oh, that's very (laughs) weird. But I guess we're okay. Uh, They're confused, but let Ace go. And that's that's that all settled. 10-10 till we do it again. Ace. Yeah, Ace Trucking will return in Prog 239. All right. Damn. Oh, it was so good. It's so good and so funny, man. Yeah, it's a real, it's a real good just entry to this new series of just establishing it as being fun and funny and having a combination of action and humor and crazy aliens and cool drawings and all that stuff. This is really just a good, a, a real good thrill that just pops out fully formed. You know, but, I mean, I'm a big fan. Like we've been going kind of like. Uh, super super awesome duper heroes or Mm -hmm. you know epic storylines and things like that this is super nice in that it's a get rich quick scheme yeah it it very much reminds me of of some like books or shows that i like like uh cowboy bebop comes to mind yeah where it's like we don't have money we're kind of like at a lower rung of society Mm -hmm. we need to make our money and also by the way there's spaceships and like cool aliens, yeah, definitely and sci-fi stuff. I just, I love it. I love the characters. Already, immediately love them. No one uh, is kind of like a, you know, like a sore thumb character or yeah. anything like. That. And I think it's a good. I think it's a really good counterbalance to our other recent addition to the Progs, which is way more serious and sort of never really kind of lifts an eyebrow for jokes like that, you know. But yeah. that that series, of course, is. Thrill to Rogue Trooper. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, script robot for Rogue Trooper, Jerry Finley Day, art robot Dave Gibbons, lettering robot Bill Nuttall, and Tom Frame. So, time to get po-faced and shoot some Norts. Hey, we gotta, we gotta get, gonna shoot these Norts till I'm blue in the face. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh man. Cast. Hey, that's what we do. So, <laughs> we start off. With a rogue, he's still on the move, and we're al- always in these early wo- rogues, rogue trooper stories. They spend a lot of pages sort of explaining the premise of the story, which I think is interesting. You know, we're on New Earth. Yeah. This guy's blue. He's got dead buddies, you know? <laughs> There's like, Especially for, like, the first couple of episodes of this. I mean, it's continuing from the Gunner stories. Now they got to do Mr. Backpack and Mr. Helmet. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, they're definitely doing a lot to sort of establish this character. There's a lot more backstory you really have to talk about in Rogue Trooper versus, say, um, Ace Trucking, where things can just sort of hang out. And, you know, uh, you know, you know, eventually they'll talk about, like, the backstory of GBH and his tribe and stuff, but it's not necessary to really discuss it right in the outset, you know? No, not like a microchip backpack and gun and helmet. I mean, that you gotta, you, you gotta talk about that, buddy. You can't just wave, you can't just hand wave that. <laughs> Pretty awesome. Yeah. Like, why is this, I, I, or else you'll get into a meltdown man situation. Why isn't this man melting? 
wife backpack talk. I mean, uh, there's no point in discussing the fact that these guys were living dudes with names like gut with with names like Gunner, Bagman, and Helm, and then eventually they ended up in the gun, the backpack, and the helmet, respectively. You know, with no with no nod to that in any way, and no one thinking that's weird, not even Rose. No one, like, yeah, they definitely don't make a big deal about it as, as they could to the kismet, you know? But so... like, Of course they are. Yeah. Backpack goes in the backpack. <laughs> Bagman goes in the backpack. Well, I mean... So, Rogue's walking about, in the sky suddenly there's a swarm of Nort decapitators, which is sort of... Been horrible. Yeah, they're sort of shrapnel drones, basically. Um, God help. Oh. It's real bad. Yeah, Rogue dodges two, but two more are waiting for him, pinning him down until the Nort Seed ship arrives. This reminds Rogue and Bagman about the Quartz Massacre, where they were hiding in a similar ditch when when suddenly a Nort Kashar drill probe dug um, out of the ground behind them, shooting up the place. Bagman was hit as Rogue took down the drill. Uh, and the uh, troops coming in behind it, then quickly harvested Bagman's biochip into his backpack. That's above, so below, etc., etc. Uh, with the flashback complete, the seed ship arrives and Rogue jumps into action. He uh, he shoots into the ship's cargo hold, which oh. explodes some of the decapitators in there, destroying the ship from the inside. Nane! It's, uh... It's such a horrible way to die, because first the shrapnel, and then the ship explodes. Man, I don't feel bad about these Norts, man. They're freaking space commie Nazis. Hey, they're space Cobra Commander people, and if there's one thing I learned from G.I. Joe, man, I really like Cobra Commander suits. Cobra had the coolest gear. I mean, all these guys have to, because, yeah, because of the unbreathable atmosphere in, um, in the uh, on New Earth, you know? So, after this, so, you know, Whatever, Nort's, Nort's destroyed Rogue's back on the move. After a prog off, Rogue returns in a New Earth desert where North raiders on mutant camels called Stamels are attacking South Earth <laughs> caravans. Um, yeah, yeah, Stamel. Yeah, while taking a... not a camel. Well, it's a mutated camel, buddy. <laughs> while taking a break, Rogue notices a South Earth camp on the horizon and goes to warn them about the raiders. Uh, this caravan is mostly made up of unarmed refugees, so Rogue offers to help. He snags a piece of tank track and uses it to create a trail of, like, dust for the raiders to follow, and then leads them into a booby trap of buried fuel capsules, which he's able to blow up and then kill all the raiders and take them all down, covering so the refugees' is, escape. Yeah, this is cool because, like, it it's says in just, like, the smallest place... So this, he's running at the speed of a fucking tank, like yeah. a really fast tank, um, dragging its treads behind him to make a bunch of, like, plumes of uh, debris. Yeah, like, like dust and He's got like two hearts. Yeah. And he can move really, really fast. Like I mean, yeah. It can't be underestimated that, like, you know, Rogue Trooper is, like, not just a normal dude that's, that's got blue skin and can breathe in this big atmosphere. You know, he's a superhuman, like, super soldier, you know? That's awesome. That's why he doesn't have to wear a shirt ever, you know? <laughs> Dude, I, if I could just not wear a shirt ever, you know? Yeah, then, then you couldn't go in 7 Eleven, you know? So Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. If I need a Coke, I'm fucked. <laughs> so, after taking out the, uh, the Raiders, Rogue's back on the move. He's heading out towards the Scum Seas. It's super gross because <laughs> this water is non potable. 
Although, yeah, luckily the air around the scum is good enough you don't need a suit, but the water will kill you instantly unless you're a genetic infantryman. Hooray uh, for gross earth. Totally. Rogue assaults a Nort ship and takes the crew captive. Um, and it seems like the uh, sailors know something about the Quartz Massacre. We then get a flashback to Rogue and Helm making their way out to sea to get picked up out of the war zone only for, only for uh, you know, with only the two of them making it to the Orange Sea, where there's a, sh- a sea shuttle waiting, but then um, that, uh, sh- that that ship was attacked by Nord Sea fo- uh, foils, which destroy it because they were, you know, just sold out at every corner during the Quartz Massacre. This feels like such a D and D situation. It's like you attack the boat, and you know, then some exposition uh, from the DM on like, hey, here's this guy's backstory a little bit, mm-hmm. and then like more action. Yeah, it's a very you know, it's a very cinematic way of telling it. You know. Yeah, exactly. But so you know, when the sea shuttle exploded, Helm was killed and got put into the uh, into Rogue's helmet. I'll say that the key thing about Helm is that he's got a bunch of sensors and stuff and can kind of see things coming from a long distance and stuff. Mm. That's the uh, that's the service he performs being in the helmet, you know? Ah, foresight. Because otherwise, you know, as compared to the gun or the uh, the backpack that can sort of spit out grenades and stuff. Being in a helmet seems pretty crappy, you know? <laughs> okay, and he's also the one who was like, I think this is a fucking inside job. Hashtag it was an inside job. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, this ain't was great. An inside like, job. He seems to be the smart one, etc. Yeah. So, one of the sailors breaks, and he gives Rogue the information that a traitor in the Souther army contacted Grand Admiral Hoffa of the North uh, uh, Navy to set up the ambush. But when that's then that sailor attacks Rogue because I give you this information, but you'll take it to your grave, and the whole crew joins him. Everyone uh, takes out a knife. Yeah, Rogue commandeers the ship's missile system and blows them away with the ship's own missiles. Nice. I just, like don't bring a knife to a missile fight. I guess mm-hmm. you're gonna want a, something better than that missile, buddy. So. Now it's time to find that Grand Admiral. It's time to go on a waste mission. I like I'm guessing that just means kill him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> basically cut to Rogue lying in wait for the North Admiral, sort of hiding in like debris and stuff like that. He shoots him as he comes as he drives through in a caravan, or so Rogue thinks. In fact, it's a double it's a doppelganger designed to draw Rogue out. At the North base, though, the Admiral does decide to suit up and check on the wreckage and try to find Rogue. And as he surveys the destroyed transport, he wonders aloud to a nearby soldier if he should warn his contact in the Souther Army aboard the Buzzard 3 command satellite. That sort of, uh, Rogue's getting close, basically. But then he realizes that that soldier isn't carrying a standard rifle. It's Rogue in disguise! Oh, God. I I noticed this too late, and it's really not good for me. <laughs> Rogue assassinates the ad- Admiral and then sneaks away. He and the chips now know the location of the person that sold them out. So it's time to get to space and find that traitor. Gotta get my ass to the satellite. Yeah, next time on Rogue Trooper, Triple Cross. That's great. It's a great name. It's exciting, yeah. Interesting stuff. We're about to... uh. You know, we're slowly getting closer to sort of establishing the status quo for Rogue Trooper, you know. 
Like, eventually he's going to sort of find the traitor, and then it becomes, like, I'm going to say, like, we were sort of talking about um, Ace Trucking kind of being, like, um, a Cowboy Bebop or something. And to mm-hmm. me, Rogue Trooper really feels like something like The Fugitive, basically, where he's ostensibly on the trail of the one-armed man, but along the way he sort of fights other battles and stops other bad guys as it goes, you know? Oh, man, that's pretty cool. Villain of the week kind of thing while he yeah, then, his, his main bad guy. Exactly. Exactly. I'm Maybe down with that. Villain I, of I like every couple weird, weeks, you know? Yeah, I like his weird uh, microchip-based powers. And totally. And two hearts and super fast speed. Yeah, man. His gun with the sleeve on it. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't want your hand to get exposed to the elements. Absolutely. But so, yes. speaking of uh, perhaps more mundane um, super-powered soldiers, Fox. Oh. It's Thrill 3, Judge Dredd. And so, script robots, Alan Grant and John Wagner's TB Grover. Art robots are John, are John Cooper, Ron Smith, and Mick McMahon. Letter robot, Tom Frame. God, I love those credit cards. Credit shields? Yeah, it's a it's a shield, I guess, because it's different from the card, you know. But it doesn't have a have a name on it the way the shield the the card does in the progs, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, cool. yeah. So the Helamunga, they're on their way to kill mob informant Shaky Pete Coco. Um, they're looking real evil as they loom over the city and with their weird pincers, I guess. Oh yeah. Besides their claw hands, the poison on those claws, their teeth, and their bad attitude, we learned the Helamunga also have camouflage capabilities. They try to Gosh. enter the armored eye block that Coco's held in via the air ducts, but run afoul of booby traps. Um, <sighs> others are taken down by defensive guns on the roof. But when a judge goes out to check the bodies, he's attacked, and several find their way inside. Uh, I love that this whole building is booby-trapped. It's great. Yeah, well, you know, they know people are going to try to die hard their way in there, buddy. Um, so so got to <laughs> stick some some spike sword things into the, yeah. into the ventilation ducts. Absolutely. So Dredd goes out to fight him. He takes down a bunch, though he does manage to take a hit right on his helmet, but is largely unscathed. He stops the final Helamunga just as it's tearing down the door to get to Shakes. But when he enters the room, he sees that Shakes has, in fact, still died because his nerves couldn't take the stress. Chalk went up to the Elamunga after all. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, they did it. Their religion uh, foresaw them, I guess, just murdering dude. Hey, man, they're good at what they do because they're crazy crab monsters. <laughs> so, Fox... So, Conrad. In the world of Judge Dredd, you need 15 years in the Academy to become a judge. So long. But during your 12th year, you and your fellow cadets head out into the Cursed Earth for a live armored, for a live fire test under the supervision of two, of two senior judges. Uh, you go on a patrol, the survivors have a chance to continue on as judges. Um, and it's, it's called the Hot Dog Run. <laughs> so I feel like 12 years, right? You've invested 12 years into these yeah. now, like, really heavily trained people. They've got two yeah. years left, and this is when you do... Three years left, yeah, you got... Sorry, three years left, and this is when you do your exam. Yeah, well, you you come in, you know, you come into the academy when you're, like, five years old, so these guys are now, like, about 17. Um, and, yeah, they're basically just sort of, this is like the... 
you know, the final before the fight, it's sort of, you know, moving on. It's like the SAT. It's sort of a summation of all of your grade school and uh, high school work. And then before you enter into uh, college to actually fi- to finish up becoming a judge, you know? Have you learned how to do a sweet tuck and roll while abandoning your awesome motorcycle? Yeah, you know. Slash in? Can you kill like 20 dudes with um, and keep cool under fire, you know? <laughs> it's so awesome. <laughs> so oh, god i love this yeah so you 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 after the run you have a chance you know there's a you'll get passed and you'll go on to be to the final three years becoming a judge although that's less likely when you're heading out with judges dread and giant oh judge giant, giant. all right I love you please <laughs> never stop showing up you're like one of my favorite characters oh no Okay, never mind. Uh, what does that mean? <laughs> I can't tell you. So no. um, I'm having trouble keeping all these cadets' names straight, Fox. But there's like eight of them. Um, one's named Decent, Qu- the one you really gotta know. Yeah, one's named Quaid, who I believe is the first uh, black female judge we've seen so far, or judge cadet, oh. I guess in this case. But still, um, so the patrol is investigating. A, uh, or is going after a bunch of mutant marauders. They stop to investigate a supply co- convoy. Looking for t- to get on the trail. Um, while they're investigating, they get hit by an ambush. They take down quite ably, interrogating suspects and all that stuff. Uh, the judges bed down for the night on a hilltop where Cadet Spode forgets to turn on the bike sensors. <laughs> that should be gut protecting them. Meanwhile, at a nearby aquaponic Munts farm, and here we see that full-grown Munts fruits look a lot like human heads. Oh, the mutant marauders! Why did he put that in to yeah. that? That's it's weird. What right? the hell, man? Yeah. Freak out with this weird month stuff. But so the mutant marauders looking all gross with their various skin pustules and so forth. Oh yeah, roll in with a badass tank to start harvesting the normals. <laughs> Dude, it's a lemon rust. Yeah, no, it's oh fox. Oh man. It's not though, because lemon rusts only have one tank tread on each side, and this thing is okay. Tank. You know what, buddy? I gotta. You know what? I gotta. You know what, buddy? I'm nerd checking you, Holmes. That's how it goes. Let's let's do this. Let's like <laughs> I'll find I'll find like a lemon rust special with like two tank treads. In them oh, we'll Fortral doesn't count. That that's a ridiculous statement. <laughs> <laughs> if it's just something someone scratch built using leftover shit, then yeah, okay, you can do anything in that case. Oh God, I I love you. <laughs> Come coming at me. With your 40k <laughs> references. My god. The cheek. That's what it is. It's just, it's the cheek, Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Look, hey, alright. I mean, let's, I'll find, I'll find something in this yet to yeah. talk about Star Trek. And then we'll see what's up. Okay. <laughs> let's yeah. do it. Yeah. Let's so. do it. I will. I mean, I probably won't. But I'm making that idle threat. Do it. I'm ready. Yeah, so the hot dog run, they're on the trail. Oh, sorry, so, blah, blah, blah. oh, God, I'm lost. Oh, no. Okay, yeah. So, Dread Giant and the cadets roll out to take on the marauders, who are all real ugly, and they're real violent, which is the worst combo for mutant marauders. Uh, <laughs> a firefight ensues. Things get hairy when Cadet Spode accidentally fires ricochets into a crowded room, endangering his fellow judges. Big time bad idea. Yeah. Some raiders escape, but most of them are killed in the conflict. Afterward, Dredd chews out Spode for his negligence, 
fails him on the spot. Spode rides home, home alone back to Mega City 1, his quest to be a judge over forever. Can't go fucking nearly killing everybody, man. That's like rule number one. You gotta be on your shit during the hot dog run, especially when it's being run by Dread, man. So... Um, the hot dog run is on the trail of the remaining marauders. It's taken them into Tealamonga territory. They come Not up- great. No, it's a bad move, man. They come upon the raiders being attacked by the Tealamonga, but the, and that's, and one of the cadets is like, oh, we could just let them take each other out. And Dred's like, that's not how we work, buddy. And why? I love the response he gets. It's like, I, I, who was it? I mean, I'm not going to remember, but whatever. Like, the answer is basically, like, we're judges, and we don't let anybody do our job for us. Exactly. Just kidding. Yeah. So they get stuck in, taking down all these guys, just, a, like, you know, nine bike cannons just firing into everybody. Oh, my God. It's, I love that shot. It's just like, everybody gets murdered now. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Heelamunga go to run, and when the cadets try to follow, Dread calls them back, because they're here for the marauders, not the Heelamunga. The oh, yeah. Cadets do a body count looking for mutant leader Scabby Hayes, and they find him, but in the process, Cadet Leeson gets cut by one of the claws of a dead Gila and is instantly poisoned to death. Come on, buddy. You gotta be careful about these guys. They got razor-sharp poison crab claws, dude. Like the <laughs> one thing you had to like not ignore on mm-hmm. the corpse of this like massive caveman. Yep. And you dinged it up. That's how you, that's how, you know, that's why you can't be a judge. Plus you're dead. But, you know, but you get, you get to lay your body to rest and you get a badass salute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Raiders are defeated. And after, yeah, after Leeson's buried, Dredd gives evaluations. Uh, Schumacher is expelled for messing up a bunch. Mingus and Quaid are suspended, but will be allowed to retake the hot dog run when their instructors think they're ready. And Cruz and Russell are passed. Though, even with the past, it's still three years away from being judges, so don't celebrate just yet. Love the way this ends. Yeah, they ride like, up into, into the sunset, and Judge Giant's like, oh man, like, two passes, Dredd? Like, you're going easy on these guys, and Dredd's like, you know what, you're probably right, these guys all suck. It's like, I must be going soft <laughs> in, my old, in my old age. Like, oh man, I mean, I know we're about to get to block war, but just one, I, I really liked the yeah. hot dog run now, this is a, a lot. This is this, this is a, a pretty classic Dread story. In fact, of just getting a, some more look at the academy and how people um, learn how to become judges and stuff, and just sort of what you know how they project force into the cursed earth, which, which I think is pretty interesting. Just sort of in looking at the uh, at the Justice Department as an actual law enforcement agency. You know what I mean? Exactly. Well, and they had started the whole thing with like, ah, oh, goddamn, got Judge Dread. This is going to be like the worst and. Mm-hmm. Giants just like you're gonna be fucking happy you had him if you ever make it to being a judge, bro. Yeah, like, this guy's the best for a reason. Yeah, and remember how uh, how Dread actually did Judge Giants evaluation to go from being a cadet to a full time judge. Exactly, and like despite some bumbling, he still passed because he was awesome. Yeah, it's the best man, big time there for Cal and stuff, you know. But yeah. so now it's time, Fox. Block Mania! God. So, the whole city's going wild, and only Judge Dredd can stop it. Dot, dot, dot. Maybe. <laughs> it starts when Melda Dreeps, 
of the Dan Tana block. Dan Tana, of course, being Robert Urich's character on the show Vegas with the dollar sign. Um, she's hit in the face by a falling freezy whip from the Enid Blyton block. We've seen the Enid Blyton block before. In episode 42, it was the setting of Night of the Blood Beast, where oh. a Clegg got trapped in a couple's uh, basement, and they were sort of keeping it hostage to... Uh, keeping it... Yeah, well, to like sell, sell it yeah, yeah, to sell it to somebody, but then it got starved and just ate everybody. Just oh. listening to their heartbeats. God, I remember yeah. that. It was, it was driven not mad. Great things happened on that block. Yeah, it's a tough block. Yeah, they, it was driven mad by the sound of their heartbeats because they wouldn't give it meat to eat. It was pretty awesome. Um, I value of Judge Stretch is amazing. <laughs> I mean, now that we're 70 issues in, we're really starting to develop a lot of like sort of backstories and overlapping things in the character of Mega City 1. It's pretty awesome, you know? Um, Who's the guy that, that shot around the sun that we're still waiting for? Oh, I, 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 don't, I don't know if he's ever going to come back, but I, I remember who you're talking about. I forget his name, though. Yeah. Um, Whitey? Anyway. No, Whitey was the first guy Judge Dredd fought that got tossed on desert on Devil's Island for killing a judge. Right. He'll, be, he'll be appearing in the Judge Dredd Annual. I think that's coming up next episode. I'm so happy. Um, but so in the uh, in the public meeting room of Dan Tana, everybody's spoiling for a rumble, and Melda suggests that they declare war on the Blighteners. The motion is carried, and the war is on. Uh, as they come storming out of their block to attack several other nearby blocks, including Ricky Fulton, who was a Scottish comedian and actor, uh, Henry Kissinger, the German-born uh, U.S. Secretary of State war criminal, um, Pancho Villa, the Mexican wow. revolutionary, and Betty Crocker, the uh, fictional creator of various cake and, bi- and baking mixes, all decide to get in on the action. <laughs> it's... Uh... It's a ballroom blitz. It's a ball, yeah, man. In the back said everyone attack, which is ironic based on what's actually going to happen. As a real, anyway, um, so Dread leads the charge in trying to quell the Tana Blighton Rumble, spraying riot foam and stuff. But a six block war is a whole different animal. They're just surrounded, like they've got two kind of hovery tanks and like a couple of of uh. Uh, yeah. Lawmaster bikes. Yeah, they got and bikes and they like got some yeah, mage wagons, but it's not enough for all these guys. Yeah, they're just like, oh god, this is a lot of very dangerous people running right directly at us. Yeah, next time, all war on the northern front. God, uh, it's it's really awesome looking. McMahon uh, does some I great was, stuff. I was not expecting yeah. it. He does some great stuff in this story. Just, I, I really love when he shows all the different people storming out of their blocks. And it's all basically identical pictures, but people have slightly different clothing. And it sort of says the name of the block above them in, like, different kinds of texts and stuff. And they all, like, come out, like, you know, chanting their different block names and things like that. It's so cool. I just, like, I, I can, in my mind's mind, I'm just like, this is how bored people are. Yeah, in definitely. City. They just need to start a war with each other. Absolutely. Yeah. Block Mania is a big deal, Fox. It's actually the start of a larger story, but Block Mania itself is going to take us through the rest of the year. Well, that's awesome. So I think it's going to be exciting. It's going to be just, ooh, this is just high quality Judge Dredd stuff right here. <laughs> so this is a, this is a, the start of another Judge Dredd epic? Yeah, this is, yeah, this is sort of, Act one of a big Judge Red Mega Epic. Oh man, I'm into that. Yeah, I'm buddy. I'm so into that. This I'm one, so into it. You this, know what else I'm into? Hmm? Conrad? Mm-hmm. I, I hope... <laughs> the what? 
Nothing. I hope I know what's up next, and I'm gonna frown. I hope you're also into uh, non thrills, covers, and nerve center. <laughs> God, ah, uh, there's so much tracing. <laughs> so we start with Prague 232. Ace Trucking Company has arrived. Uh, Bell Arginelli gets the Speedo Ghost Ace GBH and Feek on one cover, looking nice. It's super cool. God, I love. Speedo Ghost. It's such a cool spaceship, man, and I just love on all these spaceships, just not just how they're just not just big ships, but they also have these uh, containers just attached by rope sort of flying back behind them, you know? Yeah. Like like, oh, like cans on a just-married couple's car or something like that. Um, this issue also came with a free piece of gum, so live it up. You know? Yay, bubbly! <laughs> Meanwhile, the inside of this prog is a goddamn shambles. Um, <laughs> the the top half of the page on the nerve center is a commercial for KP Griddlers, and the bottom half there's no editorial. It's just Tharg being like, "Oh, like you know, yeah, I'm Tharg. Whatever. I don't have anything to say." <laughs> the hell is KP Griddlers? Let's see, beef flavor. I'm Dude, gonna wait. Prawn cocktail. I always wondered if prawn cocktail tastes like shrimp, like cocktail sauce, or like both. You know, but I actually went on Twitter and asked some of our fans um, mm. if if they had ever eaten KP Griddlers or if they could if if they, if they remembered them at all. I went on. I, I also Googled them, and on Google there was very little coverage. But um, it was all a lot of message boards of like British nostalgia uh, websites, basically saying <laughs> that KP Griddlers were real crappy. But they were like you know, like corn corn snacks with um. With like a hole in the middle or something like that, shaped like a griddle, I guess. All right. And then, um, I mean, I've I've had weird flavored like chips. Yeah. Before, I do like that they call them crisps. I get very confused with my mm-hmm. current co-working staff. Like, oh man. One of our chips. readers, yeah, one of our readers, Matt Sharp, gave me a breakdown of uh of snack companies in in England at the time. <laughs> and, that's and, awesome. And he said that uh, that uh, KP weren't really good with crisps. He wanted Golden Wonder for crisps, but KP were good for a uh, nut-based snack, which I think is an important information <laughs> for that era. But yeah, no, it's weird because um, yeah, it seems like a lot of British stuff. They've got flavors, yeah, like like beef and other meat flavors are very popular, and sort of like more savory things. Like, we've seen, like, chutney and pickled onions and, like, the prawn that we've seen here, you know, as opposed to more American flavors like, say, ranch dressing or uh, nacho cheese, you know? I've only had this recently, but I've had tomato ketchup flavor. I like tomato ketchup crisps. Mm-hmm. Um, those are delicious. This one blew my mind just now because I've had HP sauce, and it is glorious. There is Golden Wonder HP sauce chips which uh-huh. i can only imagine after a few of those it gets a little intense <laughs> yeah i mean yeah the meat stuff and like the seafood kind of throws me i mean back on the east coast around maryland they'd have a uh, crab chips like like crab flavored potato, p- p- potato chips which mostly just taste like old bay uh seasoning but are still like you know have their moments honestly oh my god yeah one of the things i'm, I'm looking forward to in my move but whatever oh <laughs> <laughs> But so, besides there being no editorial um, and stuff about the gum, there's also a, uh, a, th- a plug for a space challenge game next Prague, as well as Ace Trucking and the attached Trucker's Dictionary. The dictionary 
is pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the, the game is kind of whatever. Yeah. So the slang dictionary, it had the uh, this two thirty two has like the units of measurements and the ten system. Mm. as well as the front and back cover. And frankly, this is one of these ones where I actually kind of want to just copy it out and have it for future use because I got no idea what all these things mean and they get used a lot in a strucking, you know, 10-4. <laughs> That's pretty, yeah, actually. Because I, I was just kind of going along and kind of, you know, just observing the situation. I mean, you can figure but... it out from context, but it's helpful to kind of have an idea of what's going on with it, you know. Huh. Let's, 13, good buddy. Oh, whoa. So, Prog 233, the hot dog run is underway. The cadets start blasting. The cadets start blasting at, um, in this action packed Ron Smith cover. Uh, also, there is, in fact, a chance to win a free KP Griddlers <laughs> in, in the nerve center. Um, Tharg the. <laughs> In the Nerve Center, Tharg the New Romantic tells us about a game featured in this issue and that it's one of several games that are in IPC Comics this week, along with like Roy of the Rovers, Tiger and Battle that are all doing it. Yeah, I don't I don't get the New Romantic. Oh, it's like, you know, um, New Romantic was like a fashion and musical trend in the early 80s. You know, like like it's like Boy George and, and Duran Duran and sort of all those guys. Okay. Where you describe their like look and and music as being new romantic, basically. Oh, okay. It's kind of uh, okay. Yeah, not to be confused with the recent Taylor Swift song. No way. <laughs> Prince has got this kind of style. I mean, I feel like Prince comes out of it. It's sort of influenced by like Ziggy Stardust, sort of earlier and mm. stuff like that. You know, it's a very like a lot of face, ma- you know, a lot of like heavy like face makeup, ridiculous hair. You know, Flock of Seagulls is another example. Well, all, you know, those Bowie games. was always a trendsetter. I mean, you know, yeah, definitely. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. <laughs> perfect. Was so perfect. Yeah. Anyway, Judge Death. Someone drew it. Yeah. That's great. It, there's a good Judge Death picture. There's letters asking how Dread knows the streets of Mega City 1. And some very cheeky pendantry about how Judge Death can't actually live, like, per se, whatever. Um... The board game that I um, involves a lot of, like triangles and game pieces, and like I'm a busy man, Fox. It's hard to parse it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's it doesn't matter. It's like not Chinese checkers, but kind of. Yeah, it's on the bad. on the path to it for sure. We get the uh, the pages in the dictionary for A B C U V W X Y and Z this week. I'm a fan of the anti-human slur Wawa digger for humans. Yeah. <laughs> and space sucker for a black hole. Um, there's also some like place names and stuff that seem like there'll be future plot points in Ace Trucking, like the rocky planet known as Big Warty or the jungle planet they call the Astral Armpit. That's great. That's yeah. awesome. We'll see soon enough, you know? But yeah, I feel like it's sort of where here's a bunch of places we're going to go eventually, so let's just toss them in there, you know? Which makes it fun. Yeah, it's man. like when there's a glossary in, like, the start of, like, a, a fantasy book, and you sort of read things, and you're like, ooh, that sounds like it could be cool. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 234, Dave Gibbons draws Rogue Trooper, taking on Raiders of the Atomic Desert. I see what they did there. <laughs> in the Nerve Center, Tharg plugs the 1982 annual, which we're about to dive into ourselves. And there's pictures of anti-thrill sucker propaganda and Indiana Tharg. Indiana Tharg is sick. 
It's definitely a trace job. Oh, yeah, definitely super based on that one Indiana Jones uh, full-page ad we saw in a previous prog. Um, mm-hmm. Letters compliment the progs for being uh, printed on ink that doesn't rub off on the fingers of readers. And it compliments Brian mm-hmm. Ballin for doing a great job with Judge Death Lives. Agreed. Yep, strong agree. Yeah. Mid-prog, there's some very detailed diagram of those space toys that you could have won last episode. And kind of like F you kids, but yeah. you could always buy the Star Blazer. <laughs> Absolutely. Toys. And then there's a message from Torquemada saying that Kev O'Neill has fallen behind on his art, and that's why Nemesis will unfortunately be delayed until Prog 238, which is a bummer. I um, do like the picture, though, because totally. it shows him like creating the the thing on like a scroll and he's got this like overly complicated backpack full of pure ink which yeah. is auto scriveners like, things like that to air is not human to deviate is to die yeah. like just stuff all over no erasing loved that and both Torquemada and um pat mills are standing over him and P- P- mills is dressed in a full like terminator outfit with the mask and all that stuff too and like a like a uh like not, a scourge a or something. A billy yeah. club yeah. with, like, spikes on it, like, just <laughs> ready to be, like, get back to, get back to work. Yeah. In 235, GBH fights off half a dozen Clegs at once, and his hair was perfect in this Bella Artinelli cover. <laughs> in the- it's so, uh, it's so... Uh, Mr. Monday. It just flows like it's in zero gravity at all times. It's excellent. Um <laughs> In the nerve center, Tharg the Warrior teases the start of Black Mania and a new feature about uh, war in space that I kind of find terrifying, honestly. There's no. also a picture of Judge Gronk and requests. Oh. Judge Gronk is pretty funny and a request it, for reprints. Eyes the, the Laws. There's also a request for reprints of classic thrills, which you should check out in uh, the new annuals. The Trucker Dictionary ends this prog with terms like Jock the Knox to uh, ride out difficulties. And, of course, uh, just a mention of sweet, sweet Mac Mac. I love Mac Mac. In 236, there's a double-sized cover by Brian Ball. And at last, Block Mania is here. Murder. (laughs) In the nerve center, uh, Thargzan, Lord of the Jungle, says that if you like Judge Death Lives, you'll love Block Mania. Um... And that is the start of a significant Judge Dredd storyline, which is a strong agree for me. It's going to be crazy. Uh, letters talk about a very cool-sounding annual signing at the Forbidden Planet comic book shop in London. There's questions Whoa. about Private Eyes and Mega City One, which we'll get eventually, but probably not for, a couple, for like a couple decades, to be honest, or a decade or two. Oh, man, because <laughs> that's kind of a neat deal. It is, yeah. Um, and then there's a young man reporting that Prog 225 has been added to a sweet time capsule at an English castle. There's also a picture of an intergalactic battle cruiser that I am skeptical of. <laughs> yep, trace job. I told yep. you, man. There's a lot of tracing this frog for sure. Or, or this I, month. I, I didn't read that uh, thing. Yeah. It's in a castle? Yeah, this guy's like a part of a castle restoration project or something. And they yeah, like lock the things up as examples of like a contemporary culture. And for this year they put in a 2080 prog all right guys i know you're out there someone near Carisbrook. let's like unearth this bad boy which i'm sure is against some kind of law but i want that treasure well yeah we don't need the prog but i'm sure there's other cool stuff in there or you know leave a digital recording of space spinner 2000 one year why not 
What do you got to lose? Oh, God, we just put it in there. Yeah. That's great. On a holiday tape. Absolutely. (laughs) So, Midprog is a feature on Space Wars, basically talking about sort of orbital defenses, intercontinental ballistic missiles, and things of that nature. It's a lot of World War III stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't like this. This stuff seems like it was disturbing in 1981. It remains disturbing today. Yeah, big time. I don't want to get nuked, buddy. How could we put a microwave weapon in space and then, like, shoot it at things? Why would we want to do that? That sounds horrible. Let's irradiate the Earth. All right. Yay. You got millions of, like, you know, 6,000 nukes will just completely destroy the Earth. That's why everybody's got to have 2 million. Anyhow. I mean, you can never remind people enough that uh, things are bad, I guess. Man, speaking of speaking of things that uh, should be cool and awesome, but in fact end up in kind of a depressing state, it's Thrill Four Nemesis the Warlock. We still love you, Nemi. Yeah, man. But you know, script robot Pat Mills, art robot Kevin O'Neill, lettering robot Steve Potter. So Nemesis game. Oh, dude, and it's called a credit scroll, ah. and uh, and like each person is. Um, given kind of like a thing so it's like manuscript artwork and illumination and it's like brother, brother mills yeah brother o'neill yeah yeah they're, they're definitely playing around with the credits which i always appreciate you know um it was a big thing in marvel comics every once in a while they'd have like those kinds of things or like you know stan like in dr strange stanley would be described as like sorcerer supreme stanley or something like that you know oh, right so nemesis plays the pandemonium organ firing rockets and joint and driving the terminators into a frenzy meanwhile grob and doc nemesis is familiar is in the alien prison freeing the rest of the aliens oh man i love it because it's like while he's jamming above he sends what is now slowly becoming one of my favorite nemesis characters into a torture dungeon yeah. And where a guy is getting reprimanded for not torturing good enough, even by the guy getting tortured. Yeah, it's funny because the, the, I, I think the, the, ber- the torturer being berated is the son of the, uh, of the, of the big torturer. And the torturer, and the, so the dad torturer is basically like lamenting his screw up son to the alien they're torturing. And the alien's like, oh, that's a shame. Like, yeah. Like, that, oh, really? I Dude, wish, damn. like, he, he went to college for it and everything. Ugh, sad, you know? <laughs> Eventually ending with, as they fight, uh, the alien just getting up to torture himself because he's tired of hearing the discussion. <laughs> like, look, I'm going to take this red, this red, white hot iron and just keep doing it. Yeah, just keep going. Have Finish your discussion. Grab and Doc grabs the keys and starts freeing aliens, including Kremlin, a very polite sort of space dwarf goblin type guy. Who I just love him. Will stab you in the guts and apologize for it. And my favorite guy, Incognito, a murderous, oh. invisible man wearing revealing bondage gear. It's real sexy uh, if we could see it. It's you know? like yeah, it's like metal underwear with like a bunch of uh, like it's a collar and metal underwear with metal straps like connecting the two and stuff. Beware, deviant, most terrible. <laughs> so, with respect. We're going to slice you up. They start stabbing everybody in sight, politely, and the jailbreak is on. Dude. Um, Nemesis and the rest of the aliens are laying waste to the, just laying waste to the Terminators. Um, 
It's not a great day to be uh, to be on termite. You see a lot of like they don't get super bloody, but you definitely see a lot of like Nemesis's blade passing by a guy's head and his like metal helmet getting cut in half and stuff. So uh, what happens? Yeah, Incognito regains his sword, Black Mamba, and at this point, I'm bait my the next D and D character I make is going to be very heavily influenced by Incognito. Just FYI, Dude, I, everybody. I love that his sword has three names. It's the Daughter of Death, the Princess of Pain, the Queen of Carnage. And it drinks people's blood. Like, that's his thing behind Black Mamba. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of bummed because Black Mamba is also like basketball player Kobe Bryant, which has kind of given me weird things about it. Like, it's also, uh, it's also the Uma Thurman's character in absolutely. Kill Bill. Yeah, which I wonder how much of that, you know, where that comes from, huh? Ooh. I mean, I'm not, I mean, it wouldn't be outside the it. realm of possibility. Why not? But I mean, somebody's. I mean, actually, you know, I wouldn't put it past Quentin Tarantino to not read this. I mean, he definitely seems like someone who would have a Judge Dredd phase at some point, you know? Yeah. Hey, Quentin, hit me up on my celly. Let's talk. Dude. Uh Uh-uh. That would be cool. (laughs) (laughs) But so, uh, they... They keep fighting, but the gates are closed, but Nemesis shows up and leads the freed aliens to freedom. Um, each of the alien leaders stop by to bow and swear loyalty to the warlock, and now it's time to fight their way to the dimensional portal and freedom! I love, like, some of the stuff that comes through here, like, um, Incognito basically was like, Oh man, I'm sorry I failed, but here I am, and he's like, Nah, dude, you're cool. Then the dwarf guy comes by and he's like, hey, lovely to see you, etc. And he's like, it's strange that we should fight together. But, yeah. you know, it's cool. You, you got like, a sense oh, of history between here. them. Yeah, for sure. Oh, God, I love this. It's real good, comic. man. Yeah. So everybody goes to fight for freedom. At the same time, the Phantom of Torquemada is overseeing the human brother Babel as he commits suicides that Torquemada can take control of his body in total and then we learn some of the worst news of um, in this month of progs that uh, I'd say the second worst news in this month of progs <laughs> which is that Nemesis the Warlock will return in prog 238. No! Yeah god things were just getting awesome too. Absolutely yeah it's gonna get awesome but this pause is a bummer. But, you know, they definitely didn't plan on it. Like, it seemed like this was sort of a surprise oh, to everybody. Sure. So, you know, it's a bummer. But we just got to roll with these punches. And luckily, as people who know that things are coming back and, you know, how long the wait is, we can just kind of keep going, you know? Exactly. But speaking of long waits, Fox, let's go to Thrill 5, Strontium Dog. So, script robot Alan Grant, art robot Carlos Escara, letting robot Jack Potter. So... Where are we going to dump all of these riches? I guess on some random planet, right? Yeah. The alien, the mutator, he's taken the form of Odd Good the Okay, and he's donating the imperial treasure of this planet and taking donations from regular folks to give to needy aliens, namely the mutator. Just toss it through that matter transporter. It'll be fine. Oh, look, and everybody else, like, decided to give their money, too. We'll be a nation of paupers, but, you know, we're doing the right thing. Thanks. Thanks. You're so okay. He's a good guy. Meanwhile, Johnny Wolf and Kid Knee are stuck in prison. Oh, we learn we learn some weird details about Kid's mutation, like he has to lie on his back to be able to eat, and he has to that's like he eats upside down, holding his knee up in the air. <laughs> Here, eat this fish stick, basically. <laughs> Suddenly, the Gronk is thrown in with them, and a plan develops as the people of Allbob 
toss their stuff in the transmitter. Uh, the mutator orders a powerful time bomb and then punches the guy who gave it to him with crazy brass knuckles. Yeah, he's just like, oh, here's the bomb you ordered. Like, weird that, like, this is a thing, but, you know, what are you, what are you gonna use it for? And he's like, oh, you can ask while I punch you in the boots. Now I'm getting evil, buddy. But um, FYI, you don't throw a Gronk in a prison. Yeah, because the Gronk's a metal eater, and he's finally finished eating through the bars of their cell, which tastes terrible, apparently. And Any the boys, time his mouth, his stomach mouth appears, I am so happy. It's so terrifying. It's this huge, toothy maw right <laughs> in the middle of his abdomen. So great. <laughs> so they're able to. The boys are able to get their weapons, and they head out. They arrive at the matter trans- transfer right as the mutator heads through the doorway himself, and he sets his bomb to blow. Oh, God, no! <laughs> With the transmitter about to blow, so the dogs, the strontium dogs and the Gronk all jump through and travel to the mutator's hideout. It's a sweet ice cavern full of crystals and stuff. Time to, time to murder this bad boy. Oh, yeah. They find the treasure, and they spot the mutator. Johnny and Wolf head after him, leaving Kid and the Gronk behind. But both of them are cowards and basically unable to defend themselves. Uh, this becomes a problem when the mutator gets the <laughs> drop on them, and he and Kid and Knee have to fight, because the Gronk instantly faints. Uh, Damn. And, like, there's this cutaway. So, like, uh, he gets kicked in his face knee, and then, yeah. like, the next panel down... It's just, uh, like, Mr. OK here pulling an ice spike off of the cavern wall and looking like he's just about to stab the shit out of... Uh, and it just cuts okay. to Johnny and Wolf walking to the, ask, the ice caverns and then a word bubble is just like, ah! You know? Yeah. It's cool. God. So, the, uh, hearing that... The uh the the Johnny and Wolf doubles be- double back and they find Kid saying that he was able to kill the mutator, but Johnny's eyes are too sharp for this. He sees that Kid's hands are steady, his nerves aren't shot, and that means he's the mutator. Because Kidney was a coward. Mm-hmm. Johnny shoots the fake Kidney, who swiftly turns back into the dead body of the mutator. The boys have the bounty and apparently all that gold, I guess, so it's not a bad haul at all. Um, no, man. Time to get rich. They head out to the mutator's ship as he won't be needing it, and that's the end of the Kidney caper. Poor Kidney. Seriously, and I have bad news, Fox. What's that? The bad news is that this is the end of Strontium Dog. For a long time. What? It'll be back in Prague 335 in 1983. But it, that's such a long time and this is so good. Two years. The good news, Fox, okay. is that starting in 1982, Carlos Escara is going to be drawing another major thrill in 2000 AD. I think you've heard of it. It's called Judge Dredd. Really? Yeah, he's going to be the full-time Dread artist for the next, like, couple, you know, definitely the next year or so, and then for a long time. That's awesome. So, ah, so he's finally back? Yeah, so he's basically coming back to Judge Dread, the character he created and stuff. Man, that's great. But so, taking over those duties means that he won't have time to do Strontium Dog as well. And I think we all want just Carlos to be drawing Strontium Dog, pretty much. Yeah, big fucking 10-4 on that one. Yeah, so, you know... It's sort of a, it's it's bittersweet, you know, but he, Johnny Wolf will be back eventually and then he'll do a whole bunch of cool stuff. But this okay. is the last Strontium dog for the foreseeable future. Man, it's a downer. Yeah, that's why I said that Nemesis being off for a couple weeks is the second worst news of this prog. I'm, I was wondering, like, what the fuck? 
That man, that ain't cool. Yeah, I know, man. I, look, I I can deal with a nemesis delay of a couple issues. That's fine. Yeah, but two All years right, without without involved. Johnny and Wolf, man. Ugh, that's like twenty four issues. You know, twenty four episodes. Like, that's like going a day without that sweet sweet Mac Mac. Oh my god! Can you even? <laughs> can you imagine? No. Oh god. <laughs> All right. That's shitty. <laughs> yeah, now that I've messed you up, though, let's keep going with Thrill Six Future Shocks. Oh, good. I Great. We can do these quick. So, first up, it's the regrettable ruse of Rocket Red Glare. Weird. Script robot Alan Moore, art robot Mike White, letting robot Steve Potter. This is a definitely a Moore job, if you ask me. That's an Alan Moore job, I guess. Um... So, Rocket Red Glare is a very Dan Dare-esque space opera hero, beloved by the beautiful Lucia, the enemy of the evil Loomis Logar, the man with the jade heart. And I want this space girdle. It makes him look ripped by the end of it. Totally. Um, so, but now it's 30 years later, ro- uh, Rocket Red Glare is all fat and old, Lucia has become your standard hen-pecking future shock wife, and... Uh, yeah, well- all the kids like Kirk Cosmo way better. And there's your Star Trek reference, by the way, Kirk Cosmo. Bam. <laughs> so after a poor showing at a mega market opening, Rocket has a plan. Uh, he goes to the evil lair of the retired Loomis Logar to ask him for help. He finds Loomis obliging. After all, who could bear a grudge for 30 years? Loomis declares oh war God. on Earth and only Rocket Red Glare can stop him. It turns out, though, that it's apparently all a hoax between the hero and the villain. The evil ships are all drones that Rocket easily destroys. At least until he gets too close to Loomis's mothership, where a pair of giant hands come out of the bottom and destroy Rocket ships. So definitely, like, over-the-top evil bad guy. Totally. Of course he'd make giant hands. Yeah, just smash him like a bug. So Loomis easily conquers the Earth. Who could bear a grudge for 30 years? Loomis Loga- Lorgar, that's who. I mean, you see it coming. Why would you go to your old nemesis and ask him to do you a solid? This ain't Venture Brothers. <sighs> yeah, man, listen, if you don't have that kind of relationship, buddy, you gotta be careful about it. <laughs> so next up, Once Upon Adam, script robot Steve Moore, art robot Alan Langford, letting robot Steve Potter. So... At the dawn of time, there was a special sentient atom of hydrogen. Whoa! Whoa. Like all atoms do, he like all thinking atoms do, he tried to form a molecule with a cute chlorine atom, but was pulled away by the forces of gravity to help form the planet Earth. Since atoms don't die, of course, he continued on, being part of the ancient sea, then helping early life get its act together and evolve. After mucking about with the dinosaurs, he switched to humans, helping them grow smarter and smarter, until finally the atom made it into an electrolysis plant where he was installed in a bomb, and soon after was the first of the hydrogen bombs to explode on Earth, bringing an end to the planet that denied him love all those billions of years ago. Bam, bam, bam. Bam, bam, bam. We're all puppets by a sentient atom that's hell bent on global destruction. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> Next up is a sign of the time. Script robot Alan Hebden, our old meltdown man friend. Art robot Mike White, letting robot Jack Potter. So this is, this is, there's two future shocks in 235, which I think is a signal, is a signal of just how unprepared they were for Nemesis to not be coming back this issue. Um. 
exactly. So it's the end of the 80s. A pair of Air Force astronauts take a shuttle up to a Soviet space construction. There, a lady space commander rejects American threats and bribes to halt their current operation. But as a lady. Yeah, well, you know, when men and women are equal on Earth and space in Soviet Russia, buddy. That's what I'm talking about. Very progressive. In Soviet Russia, a woman commands you. Um, oh, bam, bam, bam. <laughs> as the astronauts fly home, the project is revealed. It's a huge orbiting billboard for Aeroflot Airlines visible across the night sky in North America. Bam, bam, bam. saying <laughs> an even bigger one. Over Siberia. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Yo, I still can't, like... Everybody made such a big deal about it. I can't believe there still isn't uh, more space advertising, you know? Yeah, I'd be honest. It's just expensive, really. It's true. Like, I'm just saying that the fact that, like, Coca-Cola hasn't made the moon look like a giant Coke bottle cap yet is just a real testament to how expensive it is. I I forget if it was on this. I think it was maybe a future shock, or maybe I was watching something that... um, Moon projections was like the thing. That's yeah, that was a dread. Be... That was a dread storyline. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, like that. That would be kind of interesting, although yeah. impossible. Hey man, it's just for engineers to figure out. If you ask me, no, that's... <laughs> just the, our first, our first space base, like from Elon Musk. He's like, yeah, we're gonna make this thing. We bring up some people, and Coca Cola just gets to work there immediately, making the world's largest flying billboard. It seems right to me. It seems realistic to me, honestly. The hey, man. Fi- at least it'll remind me to have a Coke. Huh. The final story is Space to Let. Script robot Kelvin Gosnell. Art robot Tony. Joswiak. Learning robot Jack Potter. So, David Bannister moves into a big secluded house on the coast to write his next novel. But his first night, he feels the house warp and move around. Windows have complete different windows, completely different views. Doors lead to the wrong rooms. And eventually the rose garden is replaced by an endless void of stars and far too close planets. The staircase, an endless winding plummet into infinity. I am oh, pretty cool. This house. Oh, it's super cool, but also mind-bending. <laughs> Within yeah. hours, Bannister stumbles out of the house completely insane. The two gargoyles at the front door apologize and warp the house out of existence. Humans just aren't ready for the home designs of Polg and Polg Limited, builders of fine pan-dimensional homes. (laughs) So awesome. (laughs) Just a real silly, like, you know, ah, this haunted house was just built by out-of-town contractors. Bam, bam, bam. Jesus. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think right. a, a, it's, it's a, a future shock. Yeah, fun little one, you know. And yeah, all the like kind of MC Escher esque like reality bending stuff was really neat in that one. Oh yeah, absolutely. So here we go, final thrill, thrill seven, mean arena. Things are actually kind of heating up this yeah. episode. Script robot Tom Tully, art, art robot Eric Bradbury, and Mike White lettering robots Peter Knight. Gonna so. say Bradbury really loved the art. From this, it was yeah. damn good. He's very got a, dark. He's got yeah. He's got a very Mike Dory kind of feel with just how dark he makes the uh, his, his, his pages, especially in the Penzance chapter, yeah. where it's more like white lines on black than black lines on white, almost. Exactly. 
So, we're back in Penzance, Cornwall, where Matt Talon has played the Black Ace and will win 500,000 pounds if he scores a goal, but the Riggers Longstop can shoot to kill. The Slayers are trying to flush out the Longstop, but the fans are growing restless. Eventually, Talon decides he's tired of waiting and makes a break for it right into the sights of the Longstop. Not generally a good idea, but luckily, at that same exact moment, the gross trash one, who I forget the name of. Dirty Nigel. Dirty Nigel is like, hey, we didn't check the pipes. And all I'm thinking to myself is, if there's human-sized piping yeah. that people can get in, you'd think that would be one of like the places you check. Eh, you know, you don't think about it, I guess. I don't know. Luckily, Ace Boomerang Man Screaming Sid is there to attach our favorite mean arena item, a limpet mine, to his Screamer Boomerang and blows up the long stuff. This doesn't happen more often. So much limpet mine stuff in mean arena. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you throw a Screamer with a limpet mine into a situation? That's just like two times the awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more explosive boomerangs, please. Uh, so, uh, he blows up the long stop, but not before the long stop fires, the bullet glancing off Talon's helmet. Talon pushes through and makes the goal. Hooray! But then he collapses. Oh, no! What's going to happen? The Slayers carry Talon to local Annie, the uh, team medic, who is able to bring Talon back around. The Slayer is going to make it! The team members get 25,000 pounds each, and Talon is... reprimanding. Oh, yeah, of course. Gets yelled at by local Annie, but that's just how it goes. And Talon is chastened about the cost of his quest for revenge. Oh, God, really? Yeah, someone kind of yells at him just because of that robot that killed one of the teammates and all that stuff. Well, it's like him him not talking about it is just like, you know, buddy, at this... I, I will say, I'm slightly proud of him for keeping his... Faced, I'm not going to talk about me wanting to murder all these people thing going <laughs> on. But, you know, by now, protagonists usually, you know, talks about it a little bit. Yeah. Well, Open like, up, man. We don't have such a cold heart. <laughs> we hear about it a little bit because um, as the team sort of moves to its next location, we learn about Talon's next target, Simon Jessup, oh, the yeah. team doctor that allowed Talon's brother to keep playing even after he took some serious injuries. Uh Talon doesn't know, but Jessup now has a whole new identity as Dr. Cresswell, a plastic surgeon, who has just taken order of a terrifying-looking surgical droid, which he clearly intends to have operate on one Matt Talon. This is like if Mr. Feely Good were a horror robot. I mean, he is. Yeah, I just yeah. mean more, more horrific. Yeah, if you cr- cross Dr. Feely Good with, like, a Dalek, or something, basically. Or yeah, something there like you that. go. So we cut to uh, Salford, Manchester, home of the Salford Slicers, which were suggested by Ray Hughes. They're cool dudes, big blades on their heads. I love that. Okay, so you see these big blades on their head, right? Mm -hmm. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, this is just stupid little blades. Nope. They try to slice people with their heads. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. Like, yeah. a couple of times, it's like, tick-a-tang, like, fuck <laughs> you. We cut in in the middle of the game. The score is tied, but a massive 300-yard pass, or 300-meter, I should say, pass from Matt Talon's cyber yeah. arm to Crash C- Crawford allows the Slayers to win the game at the last moment. It's pretty what cool. What the hell? The dude caught it. Yeah, it's pretty cool just starting in the middle of the action and stuff like that. I thought that was cool. Just good future sports. After that, yeah. After the game, Town threatens Jessup 
um, during an interview with Sheena Lloyd and then retires to his sweet future apartment, unaware that in the lobby his doorman is being killed by that robo-surgeon dude. Next time, oh, a stranger calls. Uh, I'm, it's getting all right. Yeah, this getting is all right. Interesting man. stuff going on. I'm excited to see where they go with Mean Arena. Like there could be not, some interesting story stuff. And not hating it. I, I yeah. mean, reevaluated certainly. I missed the. I like that there's some more future sports stuff going on. Yeah. And, okay. and minimal not future sport. Although we're about to get into a not future sport situation, it's true. I feel like. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> and so, Fox. Oh, so Conrad. That's it for thrills this month, man. So the question remains, what were your top and bottom thrills for this October 1981? I, I feel a little weird because it's kind of like, uh, it's a weird puberty month. <laughs> uh, so... so all right, let's let me get this out of the way. Top fucking goes immediately to Ace Trucking. Oh, nice! I love Ace Trucking. I feel like I'm going to continue loving Ace Trucking. It is so like different in all the right ways for me. It's still got action and things like that, but mm-hmm. there's a lot less of them solving problems through shooting and more of just like sometimes you got to rumble, sometimes you got to bumble, but mostly <laughs> you got to you got to get this. Uh, this ship a sail and make your money. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I don't know. It's just the characters really work off of each other super well. Sure. Um, you can, you can feel the, uh, kind of attention to detail from Bellardinelli as usual, looking amazing. God, Absolutely. like the beehive K looks, it's like a mess and I love it. <laughs> but, um, but also just the writing, man, it's mm-hmm. so strong. Um, and, uh, I mean, not just, like, obviously the in-universe, like, tip-of-the-hat stuff, but, you know, the the characters really work off of each other. Ace, you can kind of tell while he's, like, you could define him as greedy or whatever, but you mm-hmm. can tell he likes these guys, and, like, it, you know, when, when GBH mentions he's dead, he's like, dude, you can't be talking to me if you're dead, you're you're here <laughs> with me, man. Uh, um, and then they're crazy-ass fucking engineer who's just... Super creepy looking. I love it. Um, Everything about it's good. Um, And it's five progs, man. Like, you could stumble and fall a little bit and that'd be all right. But I just, I feel like they just made it. You know, really good, uh, really good intro. Yeah, it's a super strong first outing for them, for sure. So when we're talking about bottom, this is where things are hard. Because you actually mentioned something that, that gave me pause um oh so like well because like i don't think rogue trooper's bad mm-hmm. so that's why it's probably not going to make my bottom as i talk through this but it's definitely a lot more po-faced than everything mm. which as we've seen like uh most of the progs that i think we enjoy like can have a little comedy in them like i wouldn't say that strontium dog is a funny prog or a funny Story. comic yeah thrill, right yeah yeah, thrill. And, and, um, but it still has lighthearted elements in it. And I get Rogue Trooper is supposed to be post based. It's, you know, it's yeah. basically taking on the Vietnam War as an idea, um, in a way, right? Like, it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, and I can't be mad at Nemesis the Warlock because, like, yeah, okay, whatever, but, you know, you missed a couple progs, but you're so good. I can forgive you. Uh, Strontium Dog, too short. Um, but mean arena good so it's like i i have problems like assigning a direct bottom you know Mm -hmm. interesting so yeah i it's sort of it's sort of rough for me because like judge dread ain't that 
Judge Dredd ain't the bottom. No like, way. It's gotta be, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> it's too fucking good. So it's, it's hard for me to choose out of that. And if I were to say Rogue Trooper, I feel like a bastard. <laughs> but it's like, you know, I, I didn't super like, I didn't care about the backstory stuff so much. I'd be all right with them not explaining immediately you know, what all these microchips are and giving them some more room to breathe. Interesting. Um, I know that this is all set up, right? Yeah. Like, it's all set up for something much more awesome. Um, hey, if you want to, don't, don't, I'll, don't, don't, don't never feel bad about assigning something. Don't worry about, like, some kind of politics thing about it or something like that, man. If you think Rogue was the thrill that you found the least, you know, you thought it had the least thrill power of the stories this month, and that's a valid choice. I, I'll be honest, it, it really was, because I, I'm i enjoying what Mean Arena did this month. And there wasn't, like, a ton of it to, to like, have them screw up. But, mm-hmm. you know, the the team coming together, even if by greed, is sort of a, an interesting idea. Sure. Um, you know, the the fact that, that Talon is not this invincible person, as we just, you know, were shown, yeah. he had to basically be resuscitated. And now having like a murder scummy doctor come out of the woodwork like i'm kind of getting into it cool. and you know i've been i've been kind of fighting this this guy a little bit so so bottom goes to rogue but not because you're bad baby just because it's a little less thrilling than i would have liked hey it's still fine its feet that's you know it's always i don't want anybody you know i i never want us to feel like we have to give something um a high a higher rating than when you actually feel just because it's sort of got politics or sort of a uh, you know it's a long running thing that's got a lot of history for it and stuff like that you know no, that's fair usually I I don't care about it so yeah. much I just I can see like the work that's being put in here and I don't want to hate it hey, so man, you got to rate a month to month that's what that's why we do it you know and sometimes yeah. you know part of what part of a reason for rated is to make hard decisions you know fair juice man yeah. all right Conrad what was your T and B Top and bottom, oh man, this was a real good month, like you said. Um, yeah, I think Ace, Ace Trucking is really cool. Um, again, just because I kind of know where things are going, I'm a little bit more excited about Rogue Trooper than you are, I think. Um, for top, I'm gonna give it to Judge Dread, dude. Um, hell yeah, man. Like, the hot dog run is a great storyline of just sort of seeing these characters and just a lot of, yeah, dread working inside of a chain of command and stuff like that that I think is really cool and valuable for sort of creating, you know, sort of expanding this world and things like that. And then, man, the start of Block Mania is so awesome. Just all these different factions going, just this war breaking out, people pouring out of all the blocks with the names of the blocks on top and stuff. Just this idea of all these huge buildings full of people just shooting amongst each other and, you know, 10 or 12 judges just trying desperately to hold back the tide is so cool. That's a really great premise. I mean, we're going to see more of it over the next two months, but... Oh, it's just so neat. Oh, that's um, great, man. That's for, so freaking yeah. awesome. I, I really think it's neat. Um, for bottom, I'm going to say Mean Arena. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's fair. It's doing fine, but it's still sort of, man, like, yeah, Rogue Trooper, I'm really liking. I'm just sort of seeing this early stuff. And I, and I, and I do like the backstory stuff. I think that's fun. Um, mm. Ace Trucking's so good. 
Um, <sighs> Dread's real good. Strontium Dog's my boy, and it's leaving, so yeah. I can't talk any bad about that. Nemesis no. is just like every time I read stuff in Nemesis, I want it like inspires me to do something somewhere else. You know, I just yeah. I just got um. Uh, WWE 2K18, and I spent like 15 minutes seeing if I could make a reasonable incognito character and decided that I couldn't, and I was bummed. <laughs> That's amazing. So, like, you know, I just, it's got, it's right up there. Like, it's just the fact that there were two this month that really just kept, keeps it out of the top for me this time. Mm. Um, and so it's just gotta be Mean Arena, you know? Yeah, breasts of elimination. And, you know, I think it's fair. You know, I mean, the Matt yeah. Talon story is not, like, the best thing we've yeah. ever fucking read. I mean, we'll see more, you know, but yeah, you know, Mean Arena is kind of this whipping boy in our in our, in our our coverage, but, you know, hey, be better. That's all I can say. <laughs> I mean, like, that's that's the thing that I like about uh, the bottom spot, because if, if you were to plainly look at this, I mean, we're putting it in the same effective placement as... Uh, as Colony Earth, <laughs> but it's nothing like nearly as bad as Colony Earth, which is like I think I think when it, yeah you but, warned me about the '80s being somewhat of an embarrassment of riches, um, but you know my or at least that my palate would become refined, and you know yeah this Cabernet Sauvignon is yeah uh, not definitely. nearly aged enough for me to enjoy. Send it back. <laughs> Yeah, man, we're 70, 70 issues in. You know, at this point, we can really start to differentiate between what's only sort of good and what's really good, you know? Yeah, you know, my pinky is in the air, my nose is also in the air, <laughs> and I am I am taking no shit. Ah, you these know. fucking snobs. Okay. <laughs> I hope everybody enjoyed the show. You can always find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site at Cradoline.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com or on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at SpaceSpinner2K for everything else. Just look up SpaceSpinner2000 and we should be there. Come back next time! As we'll continue filling your Thursdays with non-prog content. This time, oh, snap. it's the Judge Dread Annual 1982. Oh, hell yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, buddy. I got some pushback last time when I said that the 1981 Dread Annual was the best Dread Annual. And a lot of people said the 82 one was actually better. So we'll see how it stacks up. It's got right. a ton of original stories with art by Mick McMahon. Um, and in, in, and those stories include the introduction of the Fatties, which is one of my favorite uh, subgroups of Mega City One Citizens. What? You'll see. And uh, it does have some reprint material, but it's all like early dread strips, so that's fine. Oh, yeah, man. I'm we've, excited. We've reached the five-year mark where now they can just start putting old 2000 AD stuff in these, an- in these annuals, and it's a much better choice. Hell, yeah. So that's all for this for this month. Until next time, I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. One dick for three. One dick for three.